This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Blair and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. The AA Preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thank you. Uh, So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model, and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you are at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places – prisons, institutions, or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown that this is to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognize it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease, After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety, one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise helpless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So, uh, let's meet our guest. Would our guests like to introduce themselves and just give us a quick sketch of who you are? Hi, I'm Tanya. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Tanya. Uh, so, tell us uh, roughly, you know, how old are you, how long have you been sober, and what do you do? Um, so, I am 48 years old, and this time around I've been sober for 20 months. Cool. Um, and what I do, I run a software company, so we can take Cool, excellent, uh, fantastic. Um, do you have any any family married with kids, etc.? Was married, um, 
have one child and, uh, yeah, happy little family, just three of us at the moment. Cool. Awesome. Uh, and tell us a little bit about your childhood. Ah, oh, well, I am – my sister and myself are definitely the children of alcoholics and um, addicts in our family. It kind of runs thick and deep. So my dad is uh, – he'll pick up anything and just loves – whether it was cigarettes, he was smoking like 60 a day at one point, or alcohol or whatever it is, he'll pick up something, get obsessed with it and just can't use anything in moderation. And my mum's the same with um, other substances as well. So, yep, definitely come from good good stock there. Right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, when did you first start drinking um, and how did that all progress for, for yourself? I would have been probably about 13 or 14 when I started drinking and I started drinking with my sister. And one of the things I can remember about drinking in my teens was me and my sister saying, because we were really cool, going, oh, we just do it for the effect, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, because it was never, oh, I love the taste of that wine, isn't it just delightful? It was get trashed, get get drunk as quick as possible and go for the effect. And so that's kind of how my how my drinking started and I just kept doing that. Um, and I think it wasn't, I, I'm very much of the opinion that it doesn't matter how much you drink, it's about what it does to you and very early on it was having consequences. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, you mentioned your sister, but how did you normally drink? Were you a social drinker, binge drinker, or daily drinker? Sort of, what Definitely was a binge drinker. I don't think there was anything social about my drinking. I could be social. Like I could I could um, definitely peel it back to be somewhat social, mm-hmm. but that's not the kind of drinking I wanted to do. It was the drinking I did because I had no choice. Right. You know, I was in a social situation, so I was trying really hard to hold it all together. Right. And so that was the effect you found from alcohol, is that it helped you hold things together? A little bit, yeah. Um, or, or more so that I was trying to hold it all together to drink the way I wanted right. to drink. Mm-hmm. So and definitely binge drinking, you know, I went, I managed to, so my sobriety kind of happened in two parts. I was sober for 16 years. I got sober when I was 22 mm-hmm. the first time around. And the reason I came into AA the first time around was because my drinking was making me just incredibly physically and mentally unwell and it was more the mental symptoms of my drinking and that stemmed from just trying to hold everything together trying to keep it in one place I guess it was a it was a self it was a it was a solution rather than a problem right for quite some time Mm -hmm. um so uh I guess looking at back at that time what was that sort of time period like when you realized that you needed help what was going on so it's a little bit dramatic. So I was at university and I was actually singing in a band at the time. So I used to say to people, my first sobriety, I got sober in a pub, which was actually quite true. Um, but I was at university in Dunedin and five of my friends were murdered mm-hmm. and my life just sort of stopped. And so what happened is I started, I had kind of like what I'd call a mental breakdown about the same time and drinking was the thing that helped me through that until it didn't. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I came into recovery, I just felt used up and spat out the other end. Like nothing was working for me. The booze didn't work. Like it was always the thing that I'd drink for effect and the effect, mm-hmm. it, there wasn't one. It just stopped working. So when I came into recovery, I was dramatically underweight, dramatically seriously pretty depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel like ending my life or anything like that. I wasn't in that, that situation. But I just felt... I just felt um, hopeless and full of grief, like this unending um, grief is probably the feeling I felt the mm. most. I just felt like so many things had happened in a short space of time. Mm. My brain was drastically trying to keep up. I just couldn't hold it together anymore. And mm. the alcohol stopped working and I thought, well, there's got to be a way of 
having a life because mm. uh, I, I I think very early on I realised that um, it wasn't going to work for me if I didn't find something else. Mm. Right. Um, so there's definitely I mean, a lot of trauma there in those situations. Uh, how are you finding things at that time with jobs, relationships, uh, and other things, other facets of your life as well? Well, at the time, so this is um, this is in my twenties, and I'll talk about why I picked up later. But in my twenties, I think um, I didn't know what to do when I grew up. So I was at university doing a degree I never used. Mm-hmm. I did pass it though, so you know, yay, success, success. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I was pretty industrious when when I came into recovery, but before then, everything was drifting. Like, I just couldn't. I couldn't get the ends of everything. And I remember a friend of mine saying she couldn't touch the edges, and I felt that way. Like, I was in my own body, but I wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was a student. I was poor. I was homeless. Mm-hmm. I was surfing couches. I was just pulling it together just to get through. It wasn't what I'd call a glamorous lifestyle. By any, I didn't come in swigging champagne the first time around. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't it wasn't great. Um, so pretty shit all around, really. Yeah. So just the whole wellness thing was, was quite low on the scale. Yeah, just I, I can't. When I look back on it, it just feels like a big black hole. Right. It just felt like I'd fallen into myself, and I was just not coming back. Right. So right. Um, and obviously, that's that's a pretty heavy place to be in. Um, how did you move into? Like, how did you find your way to your first AA meeting? Well, my little there? sister came into recovery, and I remember her coming to me, going, "It's not working. No one loves me." Blah, blah, blah. And I remember saying to her, "Just keep going back because something's. I can see that there's a change in you." Mm-hmm. And about a month later, I came in, and right. she opened the door. Like she was the one that was brave. She opened up. Get this, the white pages. You remember those <laughs> back in the day, and found Alcoholics Anonymous, and let her fingers do the walking, and rang someone, and did all that. And so she. Um, she wrote, you know, she helped me come in. She she helped me cross that little chasm, mm-hmm. and so I knew somebody that was in recovery. And she's going, look, here's what it happens. You know, you come in and you go to meetings. And I was like, oh right, you know, what's that about? She goes, well, we talk about the twelve steps of mm-hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous, and you know, it's about doing it as a group. Like the first word is we. And I just thought that was mind blowing because up and up until then I'd just been battling on my own. Like mm-hmm. I felt it was just me against the world. So when I found it was we against the world, I, I felt like I had a place to be. So I came in. So that's how I came into the meetings. Mm-hmm. And you know, I kind of, I definitely came and then came too. Like it took me. I stopped drinking from my first meeting. Like I said, the first time around, I picked up again. So I don't want to. There's two parts to my recovery. Um, so I think when. When I came in, I, I stopped drinking immediately and I just felt like I'd come home. There was a real sense of everybody was so nice and you mm. all looked so, you know, normal, whatever the hell that is. You looked normal and it just felt like I was I could be normal too, mm. you know. And normal with a caveat, you know, we don't drink and it helps us to return to some degree of sanity and, mm. you know. So, yeah, that's how I came in the first time around. Cool. Um, so you've mentioned the other A members a little bit like there that they were they're normal and they treated you well. Uh, yeah, how, how did they treat you? What was it like meeting the other people in A apart from your sister? Um, so I came in and people made me cups of tea and they said, just keep coming back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is nice. No one ever asks me to come back. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like It's like, oh, God, not here. You know, so people kept asking me to come back. And we were really young. But the interesting thing about being at university is there was a bunch of alcoholics that got sober at the same time that were all our own age. So there's about seven of us that got sober about the same time mm-hmm. and stayed sober for quite some period of time. And so that kind of felt really 
welcoming. It wasn't a bunch of old farts sitting around in long trench coats, you know, pretending that they don't drink. It was something a bit more realistic. Right. Yeah. So, and, and you know, and they said, keep coming back, get a get a um, get a newcomers pack, um, get some phone numbers and ring them. Mm. You know, that's the most important thing. Don't just collect phone numbers. Actually, you know. Bring them. And I did that, and then over time I got a sponsor and started working the steps. Excellent, excellent. Um, which which leads us really well into, like, um, how have you managed to stay sober, like, since that particular time period? You know, um, what is your progress uh, or process for recovery? So I, I just want to address the fact that I did pick up, and mm. I want to be real clear about that. So in recovery, they say anything you put before your recovery, you will lose, and mm. I'm an experienced member of that experience. I've, I've had that experience. So AA is for helping people stopping drinking. It's about helping to stay stopped. And there's a program of living that really works. And I love that about AA. Um, after about, I think, 15 years, I got pregnant and I actually made uh, I actually made a really terrible choice in terms of partners and I put him before my recovery mm-hmm. and I lost my recovery over it. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I found out in, in early days is that if, you know, if you're in an abusive relationship or you've got outside issues that are not related to alcohol, go get help for those mm-hmm. because AA did not help me with my abusive relationship. And I think part of me expected it to. Mm-hmm. So when I picked up again, you know, um, that was, it felt like a necessity. It felt like that was the only thing I had left. And you've got to be pretty bankrupt. And that was after a really long period of having a really good recovery. So, you know, everything is contingent on a daily program and just doing it a day at a time. And I would fully endorse, you know, it's about, I heard this morning, you know, it's about those little things. It's about just turning up and, and, and like when your head says to you, oh, don't worry about it today. Mm-hmm. Ignore it and do it now. You know, just get on with the program and don't muck around. And if you need help for outside issues, go do that. Mm-hmm. The way I stay sober today is I um, do three or four meetings a week, right. and a lot of them are online because I have a small child, so I'm at home. Well, yep. she's not small anymore, but it started out that way. <laughs> they grow, who knew? Um, I actually have um, five or six women in recovery that I text my gratitude list to every morning, and I've been doing that for years. Awesome. And then they text it back, and it just helps me stay in touch with the program during the day. Mm-hmm. I read the big book. And I have a sponsor. And my sponsor is really clearly defined. She is there to help me stay sober. That's it. I don't, like, she's got all these other capabilities and expertise, and I talk to her about that stuff, but at the end of the day, her sponsor, her sponsoring me is about staying sober. So we work the steps together, and she's actually up in Tauranga, so we do a lot of it by Zoom. Oh. You know, you can get sober anywhere if you really want to, and do it any way you want to, whether it's in person or via technology. It's the great thing about modern tech. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, with that, you mentioned the other other woman and the gratitude. Uh, how important is service as part of your recovery? Oh, absolutely. Really important. So um, whether it's like in early days, it was turning up and making tea. And guess what? If you're early in recovery, you can hide in the kitchen and make tea. It's fantastic. No one told me that. Or do the dishes and no one talks to you. They do, <laughs> but you think they don't. So that's what you do. Um, you know, greeters, all those real basic things. And as you, as you get more and more sober, and like I said, I've been sober 20 months this time around. And after a head injury, I'm just starting to come back and do a lot more. So I'm happy. If someone asks me to do something, I, you know, I want the hand of AA to always be there. And for that, I'm, you know, I'm responsible. So I just help out wherever I can. So, you know, sponsorship, I sponsor people and they keep me sober. And, um, you know, and it's it's funny actually because sponsorship is one of those things where you give a lot out of yourself but you can't expect anything back because you can carry the message and not 
the mm. mess, as my mate used yeah. to say, but you can carry the message. But people are responsible for their own recovery. Mm. So hopefully they get sober, but it's got nothing to do with me whether they do or not. I'm just there to carry the message. Yeah. And, you know, everything from chairing meetings and um, service work at a group level, but also, at a, you know, at a higher service level. And, and, you know, as you get more and more familiar with the program, that's something that opens up to you. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and how would you describe yourself and the life that you have today? Oh, I love my life. So um, I remember someone saying it's not getting what you want, it's wanting what you have, and I'm really grateful that that's what I do. So I spend a lot of time in my career, I'm surrounded by people who are entrepreneurial and, and doing lots of things and raising money, and it's all about the, the you know the, the trappings of success. Mm-hmm. And that's not what life is for me. Like I have a partner that really loves me, and he was there in my early days of recovery and, and, and coming into recovery for some reason he came back into my life and it's been fantastic so he's always known me as sober and always known me to go to meetings and drops me off and picks me up and really loves me for who I am and I have a daughter today that doesn't have a drunk mum you know like she saw me you know she saw me drinking and in a really abusive relationship and in a really bad place and I wouldn't wish that on any kid you know like she deserves to have a really good life where you know drinking isn't the centre of the universe that that household revolves around. And today that's not the case. Today we don't have alcohol in the house. Um, My partner drinks. He's not a recovering alcoholic. He's a normal person. What the hell? Um, And so we have a life which is just really normal. And I get up and I go to work and I'm consistent and I can do things. And, um, you know, and AA makes me love what I have, not want constantly to fill a need in myself because I don't feel enough. And I, I, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that I've ever. I have a, a I have an um, unending gratitude for recovery, and it stops me wanting more because I believe that for me, my addiction, my ism, my alcoholism is about always wanting more and more is never enough. And you said it right at the start. You know, mm-hmm. one drink's too many, and a thousand's never enough. I'm, I'm always of that. I'm in that category and it stops me wanting. I'm grateful for what I have. Mm. Doesn't mean I don't want you know, don't want to achieve things and go out and, and have a life and and do more. Mm-hmm. But when I stop and I think about where I'm at, I am incredibly grateful for to be alive, to be healthy, to have a head that isn't, you know, Swiss cheese and um to have a have a you know, this is a life beyond my wildest dreams to have what I've got right now. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um and um AA is described as a spiritual program, which we've touched on a couple of things there about not a religious program. What does spirituality mean to you? Yeah, I'm not religious, and I've talked about this in meetings. I'm actually pretty um, atheist agnostic. I believe that there is a higher power, um, but my higher power is more like electricity, and I plug into it. Mm-hmm. And if, if I was out drinking, I could plug into a power, and it would probably supercharge my drinking. It's depending on how you use that for me. And, and today I try and tap into something that – is bigger than me and, and you know for anyone coming in that is new that could be the group you know group of drunks God you know but I would wholeheartedly go out and figure out what that looks like for you and when I first came into recovery my sponsor got me to write um, figure out what a God looked like and I remember saying to her oh if I had a God he'd be like this shaggy Jesus type with long hair and just no shoes and he'd and if I, I fell over he'd just go keep, keep going don't give up and to be honest that's what I have in my re- my recovery today, you know, whatever my higher power is, and I don't understand it, I don't expect to. Praying works for me. Like oh. I pray even though I'm not religious, and 
I and it calms and soothes my soul. And one of the things that I learned really early on, which changed my mind about how prayer works, is that I don't pray to get what I want. I pray to be in line with the universe today. And it helps, like I said, it helps me be grateful for what I've already got. Awesome. Excellent. Um, and uh, what would you suggest for any listeners who may think or may have a drinking problem? Oh, I think if you're really honest and you think you've got a drinking problem, you probably do. <laughs> no one comes to Alcoholics Anonymous is going, well, you know, I'm bored and I need to do something on a, on a Saturday, Tuesday night, whatever. Yeah. You know, if, if you're being really honest about it and it's not working for you anymore, that's fine. There's no shame in that. Just give it a go. Just keep coming back. Um, find someone you can talk to. Get some numbers and ring them. And um, or you can even text nowadays. It's great. You know, get online. Like there's heap of resources for Alcoholics Anonymous online. You've got 24-hour me- meetings. And the one thing I love about meetings is for an hour I'm not in my head. You know, so if your head is driving you mad, which is often the reason we come into recovery because we just can't shut up that inner monologue, I would would sit there and I'd listen to these amazing stories and I'd identify with them. And while I was doing that, I wasn't thinking about myself and it, it helped me break that pattern of wanting to continually drink to fill that hole up inside my soul. So you just keep coming back, give it a crack, see how you get on. And if you don't like it, you get a money back guarantee. You can go out there and have all the misery you've had previously and just keep drinking if you want. You know, no one's going to judge you. And if you do that a couple of times and you still want to come back, our our doors are always open. That's the way it works. Because some of us didn't get it the first time around. We had to do it again, like myself. I had to come back again. Yeah. Well, that's that's great, honey. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Thanks, Blair. It's lovely to see you. Excellent. Um, and for all our listeners, uh, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the website at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely that there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experience. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plans FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plans FM website at plansfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business, but if you want to stop, we can help you. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close with the show with the serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, God, grant grant me me the serenity serenity to to accept accept the things things I cannot change, change, courage to change change the things things I can, and the the wisdom wisdom to know know the difference. difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.